1: hey what's going on y'all welcome back to another episode of the heat versus the world podcast as always i'm your host joel jacob and i got my guy k with me and today we got a great episode for y'all because in case y'all missed it miami went into td garden last night and they stole game one against the celtics and this is a really good feeling the game was overall really fun to watch especially seeing Jimmy Butler do what Jimmy Butler does, because I'm not going to lie going into this series. I was a little concerned about how Jimmy would be because during that Knicks series, specifically during like the final two or three games, you could really tell his ankle was bothering him. Although he had solid performances in those final few games against them, you could tell that he wasn't really that guy because he wasn't really cooking like he was, you know, before that he suffered that injury. So, it was such a comforting thing to see him do what he did last night because he looked like the Jimmy Butler that we have seen in this playoffs being that killer that he's been you know so it was a great thing to see overall and the Heat were able to get this win which is most important because and this was something that you talked about Kane the last pod that we did Miami needs to win game one or at least just win one of the first two games in Boston that's the way we compete, and that's how we really give give ourselves a chance to compete. There's also something else that I would add on to that, but we'll get into that as the pod goes. But overall, Miami was able to win this game. I'm in such a good mood. Hopefully they keep this going, and I don't know, man. Everybody was doing their thing. Like, I'm talking about Jimmy, but, you know, we look at guys like Bam Adebayo who looked great, too. And there was so much commotion about, oh, he's going up against Rob Williams. What is he going to do against him? Man, screw Rob Williams. Bam still did his thing, bro. The dude was cooking last night. And the same thing goes for the other guys, too. Like, one thing that we don't talk about, I saw a crazy stat yesterday. This man, Kyle Lowry, is literally top three in assists, Deals and blocks in this playoffs in this playoffs right right now that is impressive to think about like the guy that we were giving hell all this time throughout the regular season and correction
0: the guy y'all were giving hell continue oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's true i i gotta give you your flowers k because you wasn't on the um kyle lowry hate train like a lot of other people and i ain't gonna lie there was times where i was starting to get questionable about him too but The man has really came out. He's really done his thing. And I tweeted this on the Heat vs. the World page yesterday. A huge difference between last year's playoff run and this year and you've really felt this difference is the fact that we have a healthy Kyle Lowry we didn't have that last year because game four I believe it was game three um Kyle went out with that hamstring injury and he was never the same after that you know he missed basically almost a whole Sixers series with that injury With that same injury, we brought him back, but he looked completely not like the same Kyle Lowry that we were seeing before then. And then the Celtics series, he was still kind of dealing with it. But this year, and it really goes back to the amount of games that he missed during the regular season, he looks really healthy. He looks in great shape and the man's been cooking. So it's such a great thing to see overall. And I also got to give a big shout out to guys like Caleb. Yeah. Kayla Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Bruce for also stepping up. It was a great thing to see overall. And I'm just really happy, man. Kay, what's on your mind?
0: When you think about a guy like Cal Laurie, you take it back to last season. um, And you mentioned that playoff stretch where he wasn't fully healthy. But you go back to one of those games in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was in the middle of that series. It may have been like three or four. Well, Cal Laurie and his big outburst late in the game, big shot making throughout, was actually a reason that propelled the Miami Heat to winning that game. And that one game was a microcosm in itself of what his impact is during a playoff run. Cal Lloyd isn't going to come out every game and get you 20 points. He isn't going to come out every game and be one of your main offensive guys, but he can do that, which he showed you to help the Miami Heat sustain and stay in this game during the middle parts, second and third quarter of game one in the Boston Celtics series. He showed you that early on in the playoffs during the play-in round, but every single night, what he shows you is the ability to come out and make plays that only smart veteran savvy and dare I say former stars can make because you have to have a certain mentality know-how and a fortitude to make those plays you also have a you also have to have a certain level of respect with the officials because we can you know complain and moan and and try to analyze all we want but there is a certain level of leeway given the stars veterans whatever and what have you. And even though it's not cheating, everything's in the confines of the game. There's a certain level of physicality and get away withness that's afforded to guys like Jimmy and Kyle Lori to make those plays that aren't afforded to other guys. Kyle Lori consistently gets his hand in. He consistently breaks down. He's consistently causing havoc. He's consistently putting his body in the way of the rim or in the ball or as a barrier between this and that. And Jimmy Butler does the same thing. And for other guys, they may be fouls. But for those two guys in particular, at least for this Miami Heat team right now, those plays aren't fouls. They're just good, hard basketball plays. And they're being refed as such because the referees know that this is just who these guys are. They've done it their entire career. And as I mentioned about Kyle Laurie and Kevin Love specifically, like pseudo super-duper role players for us, they're former stars and they still can be stars for 16 games or at least 10 minutes in each game of 16 games, which is all you need them to do when Jimmy Butler's on this level and Bam Adebayo is being as assertive totally in all facets of
1: the game as he is. Right. And like, just to add on, man, to see our guys step up and do their thing, it's really important for the squad. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried about Cody Zeller because, you know, we were really praising him just a few episodes ago but I don't know. Like, he's kind of scary. Let me. Walk, let me walk you back off the ledge before you get too deep, Joel.
0: So <laughs> here's the thing with Cody. Like, I understand why you could scratch your head. But at the same time, that same thing we mentioned is still present. It isn't always going to be beautiful. It isn't always going to be, oh, my God, he's masterful in the pick and roll with Kyle Laurie, with Cody Zeller. Where he excels is being an actual big body that looks like he's seven feet and knows how to play like he's 257 feet. Yes, there was some head-scratching plays last night, and there were some times where you're like, what is he doing? But I'll also point to two things, one being an effect and the other being a specific play. The effect of having Zeller in there is allowing Bam to be able to take those lapses on the court, catch his breath, not fearing of giving him a break, allowing him to guard a guy like Jalen Brown. And it also puts you in a position where Rob Williams can't leave Cody Zeller because even though we look at Cody Zeller as a second-tier guy, who was a first-round draft pick, top pick, might I add? He has those tools and that ability. So Rob Williams knows he can't actively and readily leave him down there, which, even if it's only for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes at max, that absolutely helps Bam. And then you also look at it from this perspective: that play that I mentioned. Rob Williams routinely grabbed offensive rebounds and a couple of times grabbed him to go back up and get a dunk. Now, he didn't kill us, but he did it quite a bit because that's what he does. But when Zella was in the game, this one instance that it happened, an offensive rebound, a chance, Rob Williams didn't immediately come down with it. The ball was volleyballed around until eventually the Celtics got it. And just having that presence there alters the game. And I'll point to this. Do you remember in a part of the season before we got – Zeller and Kevin Love. And again, I mentioned it the whole while. I'm not caping for Deadman. Show me a better option was always my thing. And they brought two in. Something specifically I said as it came back up maybe about two months or so ago. But with Deadman in the game, you actually got nervous without Bam because you could physically see the drop off from a presence a physicality and just having someone to be a barrier standpoint. You don't notice that drop off with Zella and Love. They may do some questionable stuff. You may be like, ah, why did he do that? But you never fear getting Bam a small break. And that's what the important thing is.
1: Right. And I just got to say, you know, I never really thought about that, what you mentioned with Rob Williams and those offensive rebounds, because that's actually true now that I look back at last night's game. I think the main thing that kind of just gave me the fear about Cody Zeller was the fact that some people were saying on social media, like, the game almost looked like it was lost the second the fourth quarter came in, Cody Zeller was still in the game, you know? Like, do you do you think it should have been like that? Or do you think, like, Bam should have been in the game? Because I don't know, man. Because I can't ever argue
0: playing Bam more minutes. Like, I can't ever argue that. But I hate when people bring that point up. Like, we aren't, one, a team that those same people that are complaining had playing or going for ping pong balls. And two, like, these <laughs> Celtics aren't the same team that many of those same people were scared of. When I said that we were the kryptonite, by the way, you have to throw that because I'm not going to stop saying that, by the way. Oh, yeah. But three, also, this Celtics team is the one that just – absolutely dominated Philadelphia. I don't mean beat them. I don't mean barely won. I mean, dominated. Got Doc fired. Got James Harden thinking about going back to Houston. Got Joel Embiid up there stealing balls from Giannis. Steps to success. I mean, dismantle the franchise. Really put a stamp on the ending of the process. Like, we have to acknowledge that this Boston team is talented. No, they're not as good as they were last year from my perspective. I don't think they're at that much better um, than the Miami Heat, if they're better at all. And of course we see what heart and teamwork can do when there's a small difference in the talent and the quality of the team, lack of speed, having more heart and playing better as a team can overcome that. Um, and I don't know if they'll be able to overcome their coaching, but we can't act like this is just a bad team, like that's gonna happen. They're gonna make runs. Even after the Miami Heat closed the gap to begin the third quarter and looked as though they were propelled themselves to running away with the game after a nearly 50-point third quarter, the Boston Celtics still came back and made it close all throughout the remainder of the game. And all those minutes, Cody Zeller wasn't playing because that isn't a direct impact or correlation to Cody Zeller being on the floor. We have to stop looking at these things in a vacuum, and that's oftentimes what makes the volatile, um, irrational irrational what the hell are you talking about Miami Heat fan so let's just stay away from that and if it begins to be a trend you know I'll be the first one to say I was wrong and correct myself but I just try to stay away from that you know instant microwave reaction thing that we see because oftentimes and especially when you're talking about sports you you don't really get a clear picture from looking at one
1: instance exactly so I'm glad you Mentioned that because I'm not gonna lie, man. Like I saw that yesterday. I was just so scared because I'm like, bro, are they gonna come back? I don't know. But then Bam came back in the game and Jimmy was there cooking. So I was like, okay, you know what? Hope is still there. So right. <laughs> I mean
0: think about it though, Joe. What you just said was we took our best players off the floor and the other team made a run. You but know what? you're that also but you're also saying it's Cody Zellas' fault. <laughs> Wait a minute, and I'm not saying you're blaming. I'm just saying think about the fundamentals of what was being said. Right. One, we took our best players off the floor, and the other team made a run. At the same time, it's this guy's fault. No, your best players aren't on the floor, and their best players are. It kind of makes sense, right? You know what I mean?
1: Right. Like, and that's the thing because you know I was, you know, and I and I and I'll give my apologies to Cody Zeller right there. Because I feel like he was just struggling a bit, so you know it kind of goes into how sometimes certain players serve as the scapegoats for these types of situations. I'm just glad we got the win. Otherwise, you just finished suck. talking
0: about Kyle Lori all year long, and now yeah. look who these, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. no, you're right. I'm glad you see the vision, man. Like you said, I'm glad we got the win. I mean to cut you off, but I had to say that because it was such a pertinent point. We just finished talking about Kyle Lori. Right. <laughs> shout out to shout out, shout out to the uh, you know to all the song makers out there i hope you got your <laughs> hope you got your pens ready to write a nice little song about Kyle Laurie at this point
1: right so with that all being said man it was just a great win and shout outs to Spo by the way too for showing that he's by far a much better coach than Joe Missoula. we we knew that the man was going to out for sure huh Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you said how for a second. My bad. No, I said pow, pow, pow.
0: You shooting directly at him. I mean, Jesus Christ, <laughs> name him why don't you, Joe? I mean, shout out to Spoke for making a fool out of Joe Missoula, having him come up to the press conference and look like the little man he is once again. Shout out to Spoke for doing that.
1: <laughs> nah, because the man coming on, you talking about. You know what? We won three of the four quarters. Like, man, nobody cares about that, bro. Y'all still lost the game. It says Miami leads the series one to nothing. It doesn't say Boston leads the series zero point seventy five to Miami zero point twenty five. We got the whole win, bro. And, like, they out here making up all these excuses. Like, we knew Spo was going to come out here and cook this man and make him into complete barbecue chicken. But, bro, I was I was. If you can break out your
0: calculator to analyze, like, what happened during the game, mm-hmm. you probably just need to shut up. Because, like you said, bro, yeah, we won 0. .75%. We won 75% of the game. That's three quarters, you know, 0. .75.
1: But it was just that last fourth that, that got us beat. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's about the final result of the game. That's the thing. Like That's the difference between like Celtics and their stuff and the Heat with their stuff. You think if we lose a game and we're in that same situation as them, you think Spoh gonna hop on the mic and tell them that we won three quarters of the game and we should feel proud about that? We should maybe hang a banner for that? No, he's not. All right, because at the end of the day, you only get one whole win if your team has the higher result at the end of the game. Like I said before, you're not going to get, oh, a 0.75 lead the series to their 0.25. So I don't know. It's hilarious. We all, like I said, we already knew that Spo was going to outcoach the hell out of Joe Missoula, but. Seeing it last night was fun to see, and I cannot wait for that to be the continuing factor throughout the series. So, God bless folks because he's still doing his thing. And I saw, like, this one tweet that went viral last night where this man said that Eric Spolstra could take people from Twitter, people off of the timeline, to join the Miami Heat, and he'd still take them to the conference finals. And that is a freaking bar right there, because that is so true. Like that man is so gifted at what he does. And like if I'm just so grateful we got him as a coach, man. Like absolutely.
0: I mean, you hear people echoing it now. And it's something that I mean, I've only been, you know, with the network for going on maybe I don't know how long it's been. It's been a little bit now, but not quite a year yet. But I don't know how long we've been interacting. But that's the thing I've always said about Spo. Um, and I've and I've literally been saying it for about eight years nobody consistently gets the most out of the lease like Eric Spolster. Like if you're supposed to win 20 games, he's going to win 40. If you're supposed to win 40 games, he's going to win 55. If you're supposed to win 60 games, he's going to win a title. Like nobody consistently gets the most out of the lease like Eric Spolster. Now, players are going to have up years, up periods, up times, down times, down periods. But even inside of that, Nobody takes nobody takes old grapes and makes
1: new wine as well as Eric's Po. I mean, you, you have to admit, anybody.: Exactly. He'll make the best out of any sort of situation, man. Like you could give him like the worst players in the world possible, which you can make an argument with the exact scenario he was in just a few years ago in those dreaded Luke Babbitt days and all that. But he was. Still I was just about up. to go there. Just about <laughs> to go
0: there, bro. <laughs> 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 I want to say what? I mean, shout out to shout out the groups, But Rodney
1: McGoovey was like a key rotational piece. You know what I mean? Literally, and like you see that with a lot of the guys. And like one thing I'll say is like you see people trying to poach our players and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you can get them from our team. But as long as Spo isn't coming with that deal. How, how much are you exactly accomplishing by getting one of our guys? Because, like, I'm just saying this because I got nothing against him, but when we traded Josh Richardson to the Sixers for Jimmy, like, so many people was acting like um Josh Richardson was really going to be a special guy and was really going to take the Sixers somewhere. Since then, the man has been on, like, five different teams since leaving Miami. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's a scrub or anything, but... But uh, it's mainly, but the reason why he was bowling in Miami was because he had a guy like Spo that knew how to bring the best out of him. So he left that situation, and like Spo isn't coming with him to Phillies. So. Now you're in a situation where you don't got Spo by your side. And now you don't have that guy that knows how to bring the best out of you. And same thing could be said with PJ, too. Like, we know he's an elite role player, but he don't got Spo by his side the minute he went to Philly. The guy that was bringing so much out of him offensively, you know, not being able, you know not only being able to shoot the corner three for us, but doing other stuff as well. He went from having a great mastermind like Spo on his side to now having to work with Doc Rivers. And you saw how much him on offense, like it just all completely dropped because I I was thinking about it the other day and I saw a crazy stat online. When he was with Miami last year, he only played 71 games with us. He scored a total of 539 points all season. When he went to Philly this year and played four more games um, there compared to how much he played in Miami, he only played, like, 75 games. He only scored 266 points, man. Like, his, um, what's it called, points overall literally – was cut more than half when you look at how much he scored in Miami and how much he scored in Philly. Like, that just shows how special guys like Spo is. Like, even if you poach one of our guys, like, unless it's a star like Jimmy O'Bam, let me just knock on wood real quick if I can find some wood. Like, you know, unless something like that happens, you're not going to be able to steal a role player from us and expect the very best from them. Yeah, they might look like guys in Miami, but can your coach utilize them the way House Poe did? And what we've seen whenever these guys have poached one of our guys, you know, it hasn't worked out because they don't have that type of mastermind. And I just want to make that clear because you hear the rumblings now about, oh, Gabe Vincent this, Max Struz this. Okay, so what, y'all steal one of our guys? What are y'all going to do next? If anything, y'all better off just leaving them in Miami where someone actually knows how to use them. Because I don't care who your coach is, unless it's someone like a Greg Popovich or whoever, like I'm not giving them any trust whatsoever that they can actually bring the same elite levels that we've been seeing from our guys when they was in the Miami Heat uniform. I know I went on a bit of a rant right there, but I just had to say what it is. Oh no, you
0: good, bro? You good? Because I mean, you exactly right, and that's something that I, I kind of, I'll say it. I tell people all the time. It's like, yo, you can't really judge a guy. With Miami and without Miami, because those that's the gift and the curse, and they both work well for Miami. The gift is a guy's never going to be as good as he is once he comes to Miami, but that's the curse for other teams. A guy is never going to be as good as he was once he leaves Miami. And that's a product of the system, that's a product of the culture and what it asks of a player to be accountable, to make sure that he's coming in to give effort or he won't play and to always work as hard as he possibly can in his minutes to make sure that he gets the next one. But at the same time, when you think about the guy that you talked about in Eric Foster, he's always going to put his guys in the correct position to win and be darned or be not darned. And I think we're seeing him kind of come back around in an admittance through his coaching i'm sure he's physically literally had these conversations with duncan but through his coaching and decisions we're seeing him come back around and say hey big guy maybe i should have went back to you earlier but what i did was for you because duncan is again confident duncan is again a threat and this isn't a duncan segment it's just using that as an example to the points that we're trying to
1: make exactly so With that being said, man, shout outs to Spo for doing this thing.
0: Coaching rhombuses around Joe Missoula, diamonds, octagons,
1: (laughs) all the shapes possible. Nonagons, I I think that's the thing. I think that's like a nine shaped dome. Yeah, that's a nine. Decagons are 10. I did you out. (laughs) So, yeah, man, shout outs to Spo. And like, so now let's look into for now let's look into the series altogether, because we didn't really get a chance to focus just mainly on the Boston series because the last time we was on here, we just beat the Knicks and Sixers and Celtics had yet to play the game seven. So I just wanna know, like, Kay, like real quickly, before we get into our expectations for game two, like what keys are really important to you when you look at what Miami needs to do to finish this series against Boston. I know we're only one game in, but, like, what's some of the main keys for you to, you know, make it back to the NBA Finals if you're Miami? No preference needed, man, because this is actually something, you know, we should have did
0: prior to coming in the series. But just the way the schedule fell, I don't think that we had a chance to do it here on the main pod. Though me and Dean did do it on the Game breakdown, which you can catch, um, also on the same YouTube channel, part of the He vs. the World Network. However, back to the question at hand here, Joel. Um, we all noted the coaching matchup because we could see, I mean, you no, know, I mean, I'm just being honest, so no shade, but Missoula seems to have somewhat of a Napoleon complex. Um, he doesn't, it doesn't seem as though he believes that people believe he should be there because at every whim. He's, you know, very defensive about normal questions, and then when he makes a normal achievement, he's very, you know, over, over and over congratulatory from a him perspective. Um, so I think continuing to maximize the the difference in tiers and classes between the coaching. Spoke continuing to maximize that because Poe totally set Missoula and the Celtics up last night. If you'll notice the, the chatter in the first half, oh, the Celtics are just dominating in the paint. They're killing them in the paint, but towards the, and I thought about this early because it's the same thing that the Sixers did to the Celtics. They allowed them to do that, to get them out of rhythm and to keep them from getting hot from three. And then once they needed to get hot from three, they couldn't. And that was the game plan. It seemed going in. So to continue to just, Push the buttons like that. And because if you're Spo, you know Missoula has a tendency to just let those guys play. So continuing to highlight the difference in classes between yourself, if you're Spo and Missoula, is one. Two is containing Jason Tatum. And for me coming in, it was containing Tatum and Brown because those other guys, even though that's one of the things you fear about Boston, they have a lot of guys that can play along the wing and knock the three-point shot down from Horford, from Smart, from Derek White to Brogdon. At any point, all of those guys can get going, one to other, and Lord knows when all of them get going because you're also going to have one of either or both, Jalen, you know, Tatum or Brown going as well. So that's what absolutely scares you. But what you saw in the Philadelphia series Um, And what you're seeing now, and I don't know if it's a product of it being an anomaly when we've seen it in the past, such as last year, or, you know, them taking a fallback due to the coaching and due to the lack of something that's been instilled in them by that coaching. um, These guys will give up. They will quit. I'm not saying they're quitters, but that edge isn't there with all of the guys anymore. And for me, what it looks like, again, something that was highlighted in the Philly series, something you've seen in game one. um, If, if, the cards seem to be stacked up against them. Everybody besides Jason Tatum will quit somewhat or they're let down to the point where you can absolutely beat them. And you saw that in the Philadelphia series. He was the guy that had to explode late in game six for them to win. He was the guy that had to absolutely go nuts in game seven for them to win. He was the guy that even though indirectly and passively you can say was kind of responsible for their game one letdown in that he didn't ask or demand or seek the rock out late and even when he did he tricked it off consecutive times to help the Miami Heat propel themselves to a game one victory on their home floor in the garden might I add so continuing to make sure that Jason Tatum isn't the guy that beats you I think will bode well for the Miami Heat and lastly Look, man, if Bam Adebayo continues to be assertive and it's not aggressive, make sure I always have noted this for the last two and a half years. The word that I use assertiveness, if he continues to be assertive and that not only speaks from a shot's attempted perspective, but if he continues to just say, I'm going to challenge every rebound, I'm going to use my athleticism, my strength, my 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 very unique skill set and abilities the way that i move on the court to impact the game i'm gonna throw myself around with control recklessness and great effort of course i'm gonna throw myself around i'm going for everything i'm a scrap i'm a claw i'm gonna fight you gonna have to see me on every play i'm gonna grab it i'm gonna push it i'm taking you i'm mid him i'm doing everything i gotta do to help my team win if we continue to see this assertive bam for three then the Miami Heat's chances of not only winning this series are well, but any ball game that they play, and that has been the case for the last two years. So those are my three keys coming into this series, and after seeing game one, I would definitely double down and say that's the way that the Miami Heat win this, and they definitely can do that in five, but they will in no less than six.
1: I agree, man, and to add on to that, like everything you said was spot on, and also I just got to say, like, let's protect home court, man. Like, let's just make sure that we handle business at home, too. Like, it's not a major key like everything else you mentioned. But for me, it's important because I feel like that was one of the main things that led to our downfall last year. Because we did so well protecting home court last playoffs. But then when we played Boston, we went one in three in the games that were played here in Miami, including that game seven loss. So, you know, here we are, man. You know, we won that first game in Boston, which is great. We now have home court and let's keep it with us. You know, let's, you know, we don't know what's going to happen game two, but let's go into game three and game four and let's find a way to get the win. If we can win game two, God is great. But, you know, even then if we don't let's go to game three, game four, find a way to win both games. And you're in a situation where you could potentially be up three games to one most likely. So the way how I would see it go down if my, my bad job, my the way how I would see it go down if I was the Heat is that Miami would win game one. You know, Scott Foster or anyone wants to screw over the Heat. Maybe they lose game two. The odds of them going 2-0 in TD Garden aren't huge. So, you know, you got to accept it as it is, although I wouldn't be mad if that was to happen, of course. So 1-1, you go into Miami, protect home court, take both games there, and then come game five, maybe Boston takes that because they don't want to lose on their home court, and then Miami closes it out in six. That's how it could go. Like, I think that's the possible situation, and hopefully it ends up like that for the Heat. I strongly believe this squad could get it done, man. Like, I just... I just need them to protect home court, take care of business, and let's just get our revenge, man. Because right now, we are on a whole revenge tour right now. Like Here we are playing the team that took us out of the running last year. And we're in a situation where we could potentially play the team that didn't get to play us healthy in the finals the last time we saw them. So, I I mean, at this point, screw it, we both, man. Like, just give us whoever and let's do our thing and let's get this banner number four. Because I've waited too long for a championship and I want to see Jimmy Butler get his ring. Like, that's something that's beyond important to me right now. I don't care about no trades. I don't care about any of that. Let's get Jimmy Butler in his ring and we can do all that other talk later. You feel me? <clears throat> so let's see.
0: I totally do. But you mean tell me you don't care about ping pong balls in the 14th pick, yo?
1: Oh man, you know it's cool and everything, but you know we'll we'll just have to settle for the ring instead. Unfortunately,
0: that's all we'll just have to settle for the ring.
1: <laughs> 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 you know, it's it, it's unfortunate, but we'll 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 take the ring and try to make the best out of it. So. Yeah, we could have really used Wimbayama with our um two or three percent chance of getting him. No, so. no, 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 no. The point
0: zero two or point zero three percent chance.
1: Well, you know, I got that guts in me, so you know, I believe we could have maybe won it if we. You think we could
0: have <laughs> got, got up there with that? Because I mean, you know, the Bulls, all they needed to do was get inside the top ten with that pick, and they got to eleven, which means Literally. that their pick instantly converted.
1: To Orlando's. To Orlando. So,
0: um, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I,
1: I, you know, I don't know. Man, it is what it is, bro. We chilling. We watching the Heat doing their thing. So, you know. <laughs> of course, because we ain't got pick 11. We up one after game one for the 11. You feel me? You're, so, with that being said, man, Miami He continue doing your thing. And now let's look at this game too, man. So, to close it out. Let's look into this upcoming game for the Heat. And like I said before, man, if the Heat could actually find a way to win game two and take a 2-0 lead, y'all know I'm not complaining. I'm going to be going crazy if that ends up being the situation. But at the same time, there's a chance that maybe Scott Foster pulls up. We already beat the allegations um last series against New York. And, you know, so there's that. We also haven't played Scott Foster with a healthy Jimmy Butler, which is also important to acknowledge because – we didn't have him in game two, which was the game he officiated. And then in game six, Jimmy was still dealing with that sw- with that swollen ankle, although he still had a solid performance. So who cares about that? But yeah, he has not refed against a healthy Jimmy Butler, so there's that overall, like it's gonna be a crazy game. We're gonna see what Boston has in them. And we're going to see what humbly the best player in the world or whatever he called himself has in store for us after basically crapping the bed if you look at what he did in the final few minutes of game one. So with that all being said, like, Kate, what's going to be your expectations for the Heat as we get ready for the second game? Oh, man,
0: oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man, Joel. I told you to let me go first because I didn't even want you to get into your diatribe without letting me say what I got to say because I know it's going to influence what you got to say. (laughs) you just said it though bro you you said it humbly i'm one of the best players in the world that's what he said right so you know he's gonna come out looking to show you what he showed you in game seven after performing the way he did in game six late after performing the way he did in game six early which led to the late game six performance and led to him saying humbly how much of the best player in the world he is, or, you know, which he, where he falls in that pecking order. Because my belief is this. It's 50-50 going in. The Miami Heat winning game one and doing what they've done all playoffs long show you that they can absolutely win game two. I mean, absolutely. And Boston Celtics fans and the Boston Celtics and Joe Missoula and everybody over there that's going to show up to the TD Garden should know that. Here's the thing the Miami Heat should be absolutely aware, and I like to believe that they are, considering Spo is Spo and Jimmy is Jimmy, that Jason Tatum's going to come out looking to be the Jason Tatum from game seven from the onset of game two. He likes to, you know, highlight how he's cut from that mamba cloth, so you know what you're going to get. But again, back to my firm belief, and this completely speaks to the assertiveness we've seen from Bam Adebayo, who's been dominant on both ends, defensively for much of the game and offensively for the most important stretches of the game across these last couple, game one and game six just against the Knicks. Um, if, they can, if they can maintain and absorb the early blow, I think that this is another close game. And it takes it all the way back around to that thing that I said, closing the year. Now, this was about with 10 games left in a year. I said this, and now everybody else is saying it. I love it when that happens because I'm just a small man out here in the big pond, so I don't get the love. But y'all know I said it. Um, All of the clutch games that the Miami Heat have played this season, we looked at them like they were a curse. And I started to think to myself, hmm, this thing's getting tight. Hmm, somebody's going to start sweating. Hmm. Draws gonna start to get tight. Not even with playoff scenarios, but with the play-in scenario, having to win, get in, losing the first game to Atlanta, being blasted on the boards, being down seven in Chicago late, with the world and all our ping-pong ball one fans thinking that it's over and their fruition are about to come. Enjoy to Sight. <laughs> but the Miami Heat, what they've done time and time and time again this year, found a way to pull the game out in a tight one late when the chips were stacked against them, coming down from double digits almost in the third period where the Boston Celtics got you on the ropes. Rocky, hang in there. I'm trying, Adrian. That's the Miami Heat. I mean, they consistently found a way to do it this season late in clutch moments and the biggest moments. And that thing there has come to fruition so much already in the postseason from being down late to the Bucks a couple of times coming back, hitting big shots needed, making the necessary defensive plays, being more willing to do the small things. Did you see how much Bam was on the floor in game one? I mean, Bam stayed on the floor in game one. Oh my Lord, got my blood pumping. Um, I mean, just that experience, that ability, because at this point it's an ability. It, it's something that they have honed in and they know how to do. It's a superpower almost. If usually it's about 50-50, maybe a little much to either side, depending on what you've seen them do throughout the season. But against any team, any team that's left, especially at this point, putting them up against the Miami Heat and telling them to perform in clutch moments, it's going to overwhelmingly be the Miami Heat at 60% or higher in any situation, if that is the situation. So if they can absorb that early blow, they're going to put themselves in a position where it's just a game. And when it comes down to the final minutes, the final five minutes of the fourth quarter, clutch time, as they define it in the NBA, and the Miami Heat are in a game, I trust the Miami Heat way more than I trust anybody else. And I think that's the way the game, too, is going to go. So it's 50-50 going in to sum it up. But if they absorb that early Jason Tatum blow that I expect him to come out with, then it's going to be a game. And at that point, as I said, we trust the Miami Heat more than anybody else.
1: So you tell me, because I think I just said what I think. Right. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, all those um close games and everything, it really helped the Heat because I think the Heat have like a really good record now in the playoffs ever since um this all started. So it's great to see how much they grew from those clutch games in the regular season. Celtics were also 0-3, well now 0-4 in these types of situations too, which is crazy to see. And if you're Miami, like you said, just take those punches by Celtics and keep it close, you know. Like, even then, what's crazy is the fact that Tatum didn't even have a bad game altogether. Like, that man had 30, but even then still found a way to choke. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like it's just in that man's blood at this point. Because the thing that makes the, the Heat such a um, different opponent from the Sixers is that we're always going to play great. Like, we're not going to downplay our the other team, you know, even if one of their guys is struggling. Because the truth is... If the Heat was in the Sixers situation last series, well, no, not, not last series, but if the Heat were in the Sixers situation last round, the, the the Celtics would have been sent home in six, all right? Like, come on now. Like, you, that man had one point that whole first half in that game, and Y'all couldn't find a way to take advantage of that. And because of that, when it was time for the second half, he started making his shots, and Philly ultimately paid because they never took advantage of the fact that the dude was struggling in the first place. Miami and, would never and allow before that you, happen.
0: And before you go on, you made a great point there. I wanted to add this on to add to your point. Yes, not only the one point, Joe, but I said it. Jason Tatum cannot go five for something three times versus the Miami Heat and think he's going to beat them in a series. Your point stands. If he had a play like that against the Heat, he would have already been at home.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. Like he got bailed out a lot, whether if it was that or winning game two, which he only had seven points, by the way, there was multiple times in that series where he really avoided the potential of really getting cooked for some of his performances in the past. And now He's in a situation where this Miami Heat team is not Philly. They're not going to bail him out by choking whenever the opportunity comes for them to seize the moment. Miami will go for it. So Tatum knows that he's in a situation where, you know, the margin of error is not as big as it once was compared to playing, like, a team a team like Philly. And I just wanted to mention that because so many people were saying as the series was coming around that, oh, Miami's never played a team like Boston, you know, he- you, even though we literally played a team like the Bucks that was literally the best team in the whole NBA. And then the Knicks, who, you know, it's kind of, you know, we don't talk about them, but who cares? Um, So there's there was that. But at the same time, Boston never played a team like Miami. Like, they played the Sorry Hawks in the first round, and then they played the Sixers, who we already said, like, they choked it up completely. Now they got to play against the Heat, a team that isn't as sorry as Atlanta, and a team that's not going to choke the way how... um really choked against Boston. So they're in a different situation as well. So all this being put together, like, I just expect Miami to play another good game. You know, if Jason Tatum shows up, that's great. But like you mentioned, I just anticipate Miami to take every punch possible and make this a really close game. And, you know, last night's game was a game of runs. I wouldn't be surprised if that continued in this game. So if Miami could, like I said, it's kind of like a boxing match. Everyone's going to throw their best punches possible. If Miami can just maintain each punch that's thrown at them and they could just throw some good ones themselves, like we should be good, man. So I'm not really stressing anything.
0: That's going to tell us a lot, though, about how this series is going to go, I do believe. And I say that because traditionally over the last couple of years, after Boston has been beaten, they come out in the next game and they jump on you early. I'll admit that. So that's why I stress that if the Miami heat can absorb that early boat blow, keep it close, or dare I say, deliver the first blow themselves. Then I mean, the sky is the limit for this, for them in this game too. Um, uh, I believe, I know you believe, we believe that they were going to win anyway, but if they can absorb that early blow, like I said, or deliver the blow themselves early in this game too, then I mean, whoa, you know? So, Again, like we said, at the very least, it's going to be a close game because we know what the Miami Heat do. And as I mentioned coming into the series, the Boston Celtics want to punk you. Now think about it. We mentioned the fragility of the Philadelphia 76ers. The Boston Celtics basically punk them and say, hey, we're going to go harder for longer than you. And if that doesn't work, their talent tends to overwhelm you. So on one end or another, they dominate you by punking you with their talent or they outwork you. Well, here's the thing. They can't outwork the Miami Heat and the Miami Heat work so hard and are so used to being the quote unquote less talented team that they've learned with their work, with their scheme, with their know-how, with their coaching to account for that talent. So as you mentioned, the Celtics haven't faced a team like the Miami Heat. And that's been the case for the last two years. Because again, well, the last several years, because yeah, you you know the whole you know how I feel about the post-bubble season where there was more time between the two parts of the bubble than the two seasons. Okay, you count it, but for us, they know what we're looking at. You throw it out. Because as we've seen this year and that and the year before, the Bucks didn't want the smoke. Get out of here. Bucks pack, steps to success pack on sale. Um, so I mean, those other years, though, where they're playing the Celtics, they beat them in the first year, and then last year, it took them to a game seven off of a Jimmy Butler clutch shot, and the refs giving them the first two games, yeah, I said it again, um, in order for them to beat us. So it's simply that they can't come in and dominate these Miami Heat like they tend to do to everybody else, which ultimately should give you great confidence if you support the Miami Heat or looking at it from
1: a Miami Heat perspective exactly couldn't have said it better myself but overall man it's just gonna be a really fun game and we've talked so much about the squad man is there anything else you want to say before we close this out nah man you know me i always get it in bet so with that being said y'all thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode of the Heat vs. the world podcast Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Joel K. Jacob underscore and my guy K at K underscore said underscore K. And make sure to follow Heat vs. The World on all platforms at HVTW Podcast. And feel free to check out our YouTube channel at Heat vs. The World. Make sure to subscribe so you get access to not only all of our podcast episodes, but also other content like the Biscayne Breakdown featuring K and Deem. They dropped the episode just a couple days ago, so make sure to check it out if you haven't already. And also check out our Dolphins podcast as well. And also, feel free to check out all our, all of our content on social media, along with our website at hvtwpodcast.wordpress.com. I know K dropped an article yesterday. It was a great read. Check it out if you haven't. And with that all being said, man, let's keep the fun going. We're going to keep these pods running after every Heat playoff win. We already have nine down. Hopefully, we get seven more because I just know that pod, after we win the championship, if we can make that happen, it's going to be great. Yo, <laughs> I cannot wait for that. So with that being said, y'all, Miami Heat, keep doing y'all thing. We believe in y'all. Shout out to y'all for taking game one. Shout out to the Florida Panthers, by the way. they in the conference finals, too, as the eight seed. So we got to give them some love, too. But with that all being said, man, shout out to the Heat. Keep doing the job. If y'all can go up 2-0 well against Boston, that's great. But aside from that, we lit and hit my music because we out. Thank you for
0: listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs.
1: the World Podcast.